And we decided not to edit anything that was going to be too perfect. Mm. We wanted to keep the things that were not controversial, but um, contradictory. Yeah. Because that's, that's real life. Right. Someone can have opposing views on the same thing. And, you know, I, I, I definitely have heard a lot of criticisms about it. <laughs> but I, I feel good because we weren't trying to bullshit anybody. Yeah. And it wasn't a take that was, this is, has to be for everybody. It right. was to start a conversation. That whole show is to start a conversation. Yep. It's not about, this is the only way. This is my way. And a lot of it is me learning about stuff along the way, too, and exactly. seeing my opinion change. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think a lot of that, it, it is very Asian American in a way, the American aspect of how it influences your Asian takes. You know what I mean? I'm the same way. Like, I, I go out to eat at certain places. I definitely know the proper way that they would expect me to respond to it as like a voice in the Asian community. But I have also the honest what I feel about at that very moment and the taste. Like, it might not taste better to me than the traditional way or sorts you know what i mean and i've, I've heard you be so honest about that and, and that's what was refreshing about the show you well, know what i mean? appreciate it yeah and we've had those kind of takes on here too we've had like uh my boy jake he he i i he does a lot of food content in queens and he's highlighted so many of the queens like small businesses which has been great but like you know we had a question like fuck mary kill bread rice and noodle hmm. and that was a really interesting answer and i'd like to kind of know how you would rank that, you know? I'll just tell you right now, I'm marrying rice because I can't. My, I'm old now, and I think you can put yourself in like Korean years when your white, your rice goes from white to purple and brown, mm, right? Yep. And I think about just eating a bowl of white rice all the time. Yep. I can't think about any other kind of rice. So rice pop is life. Mm-hmm. So it has to be forever. I'm in that. That's my longest relationship I've ever been in. That's <laughs> right. I ain't going anywhere. Yep. God, this is controversial, man. But it I, is. Because I've sold a lot of noodles, but I think I'm going to kill noodles. Because my gut tells me hot bread. Yep. It's that momentary. It's just like a, such a sliver in time. Yep. And it's just like like a amazing safe one night stand that's so good there and there's so many ways you could prepare that and eat with something i agree i, I noodle has been the answer that's the most popular to kill which is tough and you are a noodle man i'm a noodle man but i'm just giving you an honest take because like you're you know if i'm gonna fuck something it's gotta be the one just the hot passionate thing and that is bread yeah. So is new. I don't know, man. Ningmin is so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know what? I got to say of all the fuck Mary kills, that's, that's one of the di most difficult ones. It is. It is. Yeah. No, I mean, even we want you to said it with noodles though. The cold noodles is not necessarily popular amongst everybody. Mm. The Western palate is not necessarily used to savory uh, <laughs> cold. I mean, Morisoba is probably about the only thing. Mm -hmm. And I use cultural benchmarks, particularly in foods, but definitely in Korean food, as to the barometer of of where are we at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like in terms of acceptance. I mean, I could see restaurants that are not Korean serving their version of, I say, like a dongjimi or something like that. Yeah. 
Yes. That that's an amazing step, and I think they'd even start to sell something called Dongjimi. And I have mixed feelings about that, but ultimately I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Ultimately I'm okay with that. That's a whole longer story. Uh, especially people making kimchi that are not Korean. Uh, it's a much longer story about that. But I think when Korean cold noodles yeah. become something that you see on menus outside of Korean restaurants, mm-hmm. I don't think that'll be in my lifetime. It will happen. Not in my lifetime. I think we were talking about this last time when we were eating about what foods we might see next to blow up out of Korean foods. And I forget what you mentioned. You did say, you did think that certain things would never cross over. Like, I, I've been totally wrong. Like, kejang, even though it's more raw, of a raw dare. Raw marinated crab. It's, it's sort of been a social media viral thing as a dare. Mm. I think that if 50% of those people that are trying it, like, wow, this is actually awesome. I don't know why I had these inhibitions against it. This is great. I think that's a win. Yeah, yeah. And if you talk to people, I don't know if you, anyone does, I talk to people <laughs> at H-Mart. <laughs> when I go to the grocery store, they're always like, well, we can't keep this thing in the, on, on the shelves. Wow. Non-Koreans are buying, you know, cured wow. crap. It's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. I really wouldn't expect that. Uh, and yeah, you could wrestle with the idea. Is that bad or good? I, I'm really at a point now where I'm like, yeah, I think it's fucking good. That, that's an advanced Korean food. Like you wouldn't eat that as a child. You know what I mean? Like you got to eat that as an adult. Right. You know. But things that will never, ever become a thing are like raw skate. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Sunde is never. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this. Ever. That's what it was. Sunde. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Sunday would ever. Uh, when, you, when you were growing up, you grew up on Korean food? Mm. Like your parents was cooking? It was Korean, and then I think my brothers and I wanted American food. And my mom cooked whatever she thought was American as well. And there was a period where my brother, older brother, <clears throat> stopped eating Korean food altogether. Yeah. In fact, he doesn't eat any Korean food still. Like, he eats like the whitest white person you've ever seen. Oh, really? Interesting. But he does eat the Korean foods that white people would probably eat, like kalbijim and bulgogi. That's it. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I, my parents were the same way. They were, I would want American food, and there were things that were kind of in the middle, and one of them was like sausage pokum, which was like sliced sausages in ketchup. Do you remember that of one? Of course. And that kind of like was in the line of like American and Korean a little bit, you know, and I would eat that, and obviously the egg egg that and rice would be enough um the reason i bring up the parents thing is i want to ask you if you always loved your parents cooking growing up my my mother's side um amazing cooks my grandmother on my my mom's side just a gifted cook yeah everybody i can't say the same on my dad's side (laughs) i mean real north koreans you know like super gruff um but my my mom was from north korea too but she was from like came from a like privileged upbringing from kesong so i don't know why her side unbelievably good cooks my dad who worked in restaurants but never as a cook not good cooks i want to say not good but not as delicious as my mom's side and i think food I mean, I grew up around it all the time because 
you know, we lived in nor- like Northern Virginia. Virginia at the time, though, when my parents moved there in the 60s, I mean, that were like the only Korean people. Yeah. So everything was made from scratch, you know? It, it was a lot like Minari, you know? Yep. Even though that took place in Alabama. Where was it? Like somewhere in Arkansas. Midwest. Arkansas, yeah. I, it was very nostalgic for me because that was very similar to my upbringing. Yeah. So you were just doing everything from scratch. So I saw a lot of Korean food being made and, and loving, uh, uh, vocalizing your emotions in a loving way, not in a yelling way, because my family was very good at that, mm-hmm. never happened. <laughs> the only way love was expressed was through food. Right. Only way. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And I understand that now. I resented it. And now I'm like, shit. Yeah, it was interesting. What's interesting is my friend who one day was on my pod and just said, my mom's cooking is trash. And like hearing that, I'm like, it was so crazy to me. I'm like, are we allowed to say that? And he like truly was just like, yeah, my mom's cooking was trash. Like I ate it, but it was like terrible. (laughs) My mom was an amazing cook. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't even know what the hell she put in. She never gave recipes out. I mean, people in my life say that, oh, my mom gave them her pindetok recipe or kalbijim this or that. They're not the real recipes. Has she taught you any recipes? or She never taught me one thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Right. You know, when She passed away a couple years ago, but <clears throat> I try to make her pindetok a couple times a year. Yeah. I don't know what she did. I have some idea, but I can never make it right. Maybe the consistency is off. Maybe I don't have enough, the right filling ratio. <clears throat> and I mean this, and I think I posted something about this. I love that I can't make it right. Mm. Every time I make it wrong, it makes me like love her more. Right. Right, because I know that sort of platonic image of what her food tastes like, because I've had it so much, and missing it every time I try to recreate it is the best way I can express my love to her. No, I hundred percent feel you. That's beautiful, man. Uh, I mean, you've been in living in California for quite a while now, right? I still know nothing about <laughs> yeah. driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but you, you have your favorite areas to eat uh we were talking about this k-town is one of them probably um have you noticed any good food regions in california that you like to eat or la i got a hot take yeah right off the bat all right let's hear it maybe we talked about this last time i think fullerton has maybe the better korean food yes you did mention this i should have put this on my i didn't even put this on my list of things to ask you fullerton you know that's oc right is closer to oc it's about 20 minutes from Garden Grove, which has insane Vietnamese food. Mm -hmm. Um, And before people get upset, I've I've had to ask, why is Fullerton this, it's like an old school K-Town. Yeah. Many of the restaurants there used to have restaurants here. Oh. They moved because of church and housing and schools. Mm -hmm. So over a 30 year period, Fullerton became... Right. You know, so to say that it's bad, I don't think you can. I think that there's, again, I'm not an anthropologist, sociologist, expert. My gut tells me that 
The reason a lot of it is good is because these were the OGs here in K-Town. They're the OG Korean immigrants, yeah. but couldn't afford the rent here no more. So they went over there and now they got the best Korean food. Saying the best is so right. stupid. But there's a feeling there when I go there to eat. Mm-hmm. Like I bring my in-laws there and they say that there's that zeitgeist feeling thing where it feels like it's scratching an itch that you can't scratch here no i feel that what i've seen in koreatown in la is more of the chains from korea coming in and setting up shop all the coffee shops whether it's like tom and tom's and things like that and there's all these big celebrity chains of korean barbecue restaurants kangodong and all that stuff too that's like opened up here but they're not like just from here like the korean american opened up shops you know what i mean well here's where i think that even if i'm wrong what gets me excited and where I think it's interesting to talk about is why would you get upset if that it, it, if it actually is true? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. We're mo- it's, it's growing. It's this, this growing organism and it's, it's changing. And it would be similar to like New York. If you say K town on 32nd street, which is K street, really not K town Queens flushing is not the same as it was. Right. today mm-hmm. it just isn't i mean flushing new york it's still awesome but a lot of the cape town has been replaced by chinese and it's awesome food and flushing is awesome so it would be weird to say that fort lee doesn't have the best korean food in the tri-state area yeah because it does you know what i mean i not want to say best yeah you can eat well all over the place but i don't know why people for the most part hold on to these like they're rooting for a football team or something like it that. is it's it's the pride in their team and their neighborhoods and they want to hold that throne i think oh. that's sort of dangerous though really yeah because it's the same kind of provincial thought that prevents people from growing right. and letting things go yeah in your own neighborhood yeah, you mean, yeah. It's changes change is inevitable man i mean i that was like me with k-town i feel like because I went. I was one of those guys because I know even Ben Baller got a bunch of shit because he went on some pod and was like, "Koreatown has better Korean food and Korea," you know. But he I heard that. I, that was who says I, who did say that? Because I was like, "That fucking wrong." Ben Baller <laughs> said that, and that is completely wrong. I know Ben too. Shout out Ben, but <laughs> that's like, and uh, comments was going crazy. Some people agreeing. I'm like, no, you guys just haven't gone to Korea and like tried the different foods. They have places that specialize on like the. S- <clears throat> Like a little dish on a menu in K-Town, you know? The specialization in Korea, the regionally, it just is, it's just, you know, you can't compare. Yeah. Just talking about Asian foods, I wanted to ask you about sauces because you've gone into the sauce business mm-hmm. as well. What are some of your favorite Asian sauces? I would just say ginger scallion to me, the simplicity of it, the cleanly, it's so clean. It can taste different with, the variety or the age of a scallion and ginger it it's just so beautiful to me <laughs> i love ginger scallions so much yeah ginger scallions because it's so versatile as well to me that's like the number one sauce um it's funny when i think about korean sauces i don't think of them as sauces though you know because we don't really have yeah 
They're like what? Like there's marinades, you know, there's sesame oil. You might have yang yum, like like a, a dipping something. But yeah, if you look at like a samjang, what is that? That's not a sauce. I don't think it's a sauce. That's a that's, that's a, part of a dish, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put the manu. The, if somebody puts a mandu in samjang, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? True. Yeah, and you true. can't just put gochujang everywhere. So I don't know. Is there like a sauce? Um, there are flavors that are constant. It's a Sweet and spicy, like a gochujang flavor, yes, and you know something that is soy based with sweet soy. Yeah, those when, are constants. Yeah, when you're dipping like a piece of brisket into like sesame sesame oil and salt, that's not a sauce. That's just like I don't know what it is. You just but like if you look at Cantonese food, like EXO sauce is so good, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's so yeah. good. The Chinese put that got on some every sauces. Yeah. yeah, Taiwanese too. It's like Taiwanese food seems to be. A lot about the sauces. Yeah. Too. Well, you you had a list of like your favorite con- Asian countries to eat at, right? It was like top five. I think Vietnam was yeah. at the top. It's always changing. Yeah, that was like a summer list. Is it like a winter list or anything yeah. like that? Or I mean, if it's summer, I have to put Vietnam. Like, just so much of that food is so crisp and refreshing, and hmm. when it's hot outside. But right now, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, winter time is korean food number one mm-hmm. to me yeah because it's all about just jigas and tongues man that's it, true we're big on soup so and also i would say summertime too just ningen is i mean it's so good it is good it is good <laughs> I'm, your last controversial take on instagram was about vegas having the best chinese I mean, food people got so mad they did they got really mad but i wanted to ask you if that's the case and vegas has some of the best food in the world because they do fly over some of the best chefs and all that do they just have the best food in the country well again a lot of these takes they're worth i sometimes i feel like you know it's like i want a first take on espn or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah. let's just say chinese food i'm not a chinese food expert i eat a lot of it i travel the world SGV is good in some things, not everything. Mm-hmm. It just, I think SGV is fucking amazing. Yeah. But to say that it's top tier in Cantonese food is wrong. I would put that in North America. I'd give that to Richmond in Vancouver area. Yeah. Like no question about yeah. that. Like not even too, like I would never even think twice about that. So when you say what is the best, I think it's a relative, you know, phrasing of things so it's what are you in the mood for but what las vegas has that's all very good above average to very good is like sort of a little bit of everything it's like an international food court yeah yeah is it going to be the best and one specialized thing no it's not but considering where it was 30 years ago to where it is today i mean <clears throat> The reason it's good is Wolfgang Puck started it all, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's the first chef to open up there, and that turned Vegas into a dining destination over these years. So I find it funny that people would say that can't be true. Mm. I think it's more amazing to think, what if it is true? Yeah. That means any place can, if a desert in the middle of nowhere can have great food, this is where I'm a true optimist. I What I like about thinking about this even if it's hypothetical, is then anywhere can have great food. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Chinese food there is, 
on the high-end rollers is fucking really good, man. Yeah. I mean, it's super, super good. And I've eaten there with people that are Cantonese, and they would say this is they were shocked. No, no, I think the food is fantastic over there. So I didn't argue that. I mean, it made complete sense. You go to Vegas and there's so much good food, whether it's Italian. Does it have Chinese. the best Korean food? No. Does it have the best Japanese food? No. It's true, yeah. But like, <laughs> is it all around good? Yeah. 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 It doesn't really have a weakness. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love the take. I love seeing your takes and <laughs> you stir up people. And I'm, I'm wonder sometimes, like, oh, he's just he's trolling everybody <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, but it also makes me think there's so many people making food takes, right? With all these pod clips yep. and stuff on the internet, like, how much do you come across that and like sit and watch a clip all the way through on someone's food take? You know, and where do you stand on that? And like. What would it take for you to actually comment and be outraged about a food take? <laughs> um, I don't watch too much food takes. I'll follow chefs. Mm. Um, but watching other food takes, there's some people that are on TikTok that I think are doing the work and that are really good. Um, but I don't, I'm, not on, I'm not on TikTok that much. Um, so I got to be honest with you, I'm not scrolling through to find food takes when i'm trying to f do anything food oriented i want to see oh a chef's got this on his menu or they're working on this or the chef is in this phase in their career right now they're doing this that's what i'm looking yeah. at a little bit more mm -hmm. or if somebody that i'm really close with is that i know is a fucking true gourmand and i trust their opinion what are they eating like little meg in in japan and hong kong she's one of the best eaters in the fucking world mm. so i'm interested to know what she's thinking about food Interesting. you know yeah. not less not so much the takes not that i'm i don't if somebody wants to tell me who to follow i'm happy to follow but i, I it's not coming on my feed yeah yeah yeah. when you mean eaters do you mean just like almost like food critics like you go eat a meal and you respect their opinion or is it somebody who just genuinely yep. eats really well they're people that <laughs> Or like all the above. Yeah. The amateurs that could be professionals, but they just eat really well. Yeah. Like extremely well. And you're like, what? Yeah. And and they're like commenting as they eat on No, those are they don't necessarily comment. They're more Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to understand. Either they're not, just they're mean all like a comment. There are stopping? people that blog and yeah. there are places where they can do that. But I think what's interesting from the people that I like Little Meg, I'll bring up her name again, is that she has a specific viewpoint and she has a point of view and she's not trying to appease anybody. Yeah. And that I appreciate, right? She's not trying to amass followers or do this. She's just, this is what I like. This is what I eat. And I'm, I'm after the best. Yeah. And she's, she's taught me. So, she has taught me so much about sushi in Japan. Mm. She's, she knows so oh, much. I think, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I think I've come across her stuff. Um, Margaret, she, Margaret Lamb. She's she's badass. Have you heard of Bop Ross any, by any chance? Mm -mm. Like it's Bop, like Korean pop, and then Ross. He's, he's one of my favorites. Oh, he had him on your pod, right? Yeah, my boy Rick. Yeah, I just wanted to put him on because he, the way, I, I he's my favorite eater right now. Uh, the way he describes food is just hilarious. And he's really good with words because he's a rapper too. Mm. But yeah, yeah. That um, would help with being a wordsmith for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will tell you, though, that the person that I probably do follow for food takes, but not necessarily food takes. I, I made this proclamation 
And I think people are like, what the fuck? But I actually think it's true. Uh, Keith Lee. Yeah. I think he's the most important figure in food criticism today. Why is that? He's talking about restaurants that have been historically underrepresented in the media. Mm. Black-owned, family-owned businesses. Yep. And he's shining a light. He's, he's, and it's like real reaction. Most of the food critics today went to an Ivy League school and they have a certain amount of this or that. I'm friends with a lot of them and they're amazing, but they're writing for an audience that is relatively small and privileged. Right. So I think what Keith Lee is doing is, I hate to use the word democratic, but it is. Mm -hmm. And nobody's trying to co-opt them. He's just like, I'm eating my food, trying to do it without any bias, Pick it up. I'm eating in my car. I'm giving you a real reaction. I'm like, isn't that what a fucking review should be? Yeah. No, I agree. And I agree. That guy is mo- changing businesses. Yeah. Like in a positive way. So I find it weird that not more people are talking about the impact that he has. Yeah. And I think this is very exciting. Yeah, I think in just this past year, he's starting to get some more mainstream attention showing up on radio shows, television yeah. gigs. But he's like the most talked about dude on the internet when it comes to food almost, you know? There's yeah. like crazy thousands of comments. Because he's just being him, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, 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 I marvel at it, and I'm so happy for him. But also, he point of view. He's not, oh, let me, let me rank every Mission Star restaurant. Mm-hmm. Let me do this. Maybe he'll get to that point, but for right now, he's just like, hey, tell me where it's good. Hey, I'm in New York. Where should I eat? I mean, how different is that than anybody visiting New York for the first time? No, for sure. And I think it puts everyone in a specific point of view that may not be for everybody, but I think in a world where everyone's becoming sort of this uni mind, it's very refreshing to have somebody that's like, no, this is just what I do. No, 100%. And it's it's just good to see another generation as well, because I feel like you definitely come from like more of the OG generation now of food, and there's like a whole new We say I'm fucking old. <laughs> um, I I, old. I, every time I call somebody an OG, they're like, you're saying I'm old, yeah, aren't you? True, it's I a am. nice way of saying old, yeah. Um, where Where are you with like beverages and pairing like, you know, drinks with food? Like, are you big on that? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I'm the worst kind of snob. <laughs> because you know i make fun of the super elites but i i definitely like to drink the best shit in the world too you mm. know but it's not like i don't have a wine cellar at my house i don't i'm never going to collect it um i view it just as a beverage yeah right? what's, your, what's your usual beverage just with any meal water now just water yeah i like i barely drink now yeah no sodas or anything <sighs> sparkling water i mean i'll drink non-alcoholic beer but i mean it's not like i don't drink i just there's nothing with what's to gain for me yeah now, yeah yeah. you know is I've there been stuff, drunk so much of my life but is there stuff like that just cuts through better like you know light some- beer and it got me in a lot of trouble mm. you know i wrote this thing for gq like a decade ago saying like one of the best things to pair with food, especially Asian food, is like a watery light beer, mm. like a Bud Light or a Heineken or something like that. And people got super pissed, but I'm like, well, Miller High Life is champagne of beers. Champagne is awesome for food. <laughs> Why? Because the effervescence, it's tart, it cuts through, it's a nice. Why would. And 
I'm just saying like, okay, let's take away the cultural things that you believe in. Let's just look at the empirical evidence here. It's light, refreshing, tastes like water. This good for pairing with food. Yeah. You know, especially the kinds of food I like to eat. So, I mean, I would say that. And I would also say, like, at the same time, I could say something like a Ravino, you know, a Chablis from Burgundy is also amazing because it's so versatile, but it's also going to run you like $2,000 a bottle. So who's going to buy that shit? Mm. Now, I feel you. I mean, I, I just usually do like a Diet Coke. <laughs> I guess that's my light beer. Couldn't do Korean barbecue. Diet Coke is, I got to stop drinking. I, I stopped drinking as much Diet Coke. You know what's fucking good? What? That I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to drink more of? Fresca. Oh, Fresca. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, big, Fresca's great. Big fan of Fresca. Yeah. I haven't. I just had one recently, and I was like, man, I got to drink more of this. Yeah. No, I love Fresca. And just classic Mexican Coke is too. I mean, people now, I'm like, I drank Diet Coke because it's saying it was better than to drink Coca-Cola. And now, like, Diet Coke can give you cancer, so I have to go back to Coca-Cola. But that's always been the case. Growing up, I yeah. was like, everything's <laughs> yeah. tab's going to give you cancer. Right, it is right. whatever. But Coke Zero is pretty good, too. Yeah. I have I have a bunch of friends who are like in the restaurant business and I feel like there's so, I've seen I've seen some of them really struggle and some make certain mistakes some thrive like what are some of the biggest like mistakes you see first time restaurateurs make when they're starting their first business I'd say the number one thing is they're not fully committed Really When I mean what I mean by that is they might have an idea that they want to do it. They're passionate about it, but like, oh, that's just too weird. I can't do it. And uh, I want to do this kind of restaurant, and I, I bounce the idea off some of my friends, and they're, oh, they say, that's too weird. So what we need is more fucking weird. Mm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. inevitably, they start to edit this idea so it becomes a little bit more vanilla. I see. And I think that's the first thing that happens. Because they think it's going to be more accessible? It, it's... And another thing I would say at the same time, right, I think you got to think about this at the same time, your creative point of view, your vision, I think make it fucking weird, right? Number one. But also like same time, don't think that you're opening a restaurant, think you're opening up a, a shoe store mm -hmm. you, you, or whatever tr widgets, gadgets, because that you're running a business. It doesn't fucking matter. You almost have to be like a sociopath to the actual transactions yeah. because you have to pay the bills. Right. So it's a, at the very best, running a restaurant is the one of the most absurdly stupid things anyone could do. And one of the most rewarding, most beautiful, most creative, most artistic things I believe anyone could ever do as well. So yeah, for it's sure. maddening. But I, I, I would say, you know, first thing is, yeah, once you get over the f raising money and all these things and which is impossible. Um, <laughs> I think the don't water down your vision, man. You yeah. got to this point. If you want to open up, you know, a spicy mac and cheese restaurant, I might even tell you that's stupid as fuck. Yeah. Because you know why? Statistically, you're going to go out of business anyway. Mm -hmm. So like, why play safe? What What's the stats on that? They say uh, you don't start making money until... Two years, <coughs> excuse me. Um, two, two years or so into your business being open, it's very hard. I think that changes with when you can be profitable. Um, I I do think that enough people don't raise enough money 
because I've been in this situation many times where you're just like, well, you don't have any more money. You just got to open, mm. um, which is why it's an advantage to be bankrolled by huge restaurant groups or someone that has deep pockets because, you know, you may not be profitable for 18 months, 24 months. That's where the stacks are deck, you know, the, the, the deck is stacked against you for sure. Um, so on the, the finances of it, I can say this, but I just know it's never a reality. Yeah. You should try to have like 24 months of cash, but that's never going to happen. That's right. just a pipe dream for most people, especially their first businesses. So, um, and it's a real hard thing for me to talk about because I've seen it completely shatter lives. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I hate that. I want everyone to succeed when they do this. Um, so I try my best to discourage people from doing it. I really do. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's tough. Because you need to be a certain kind of crazy. Yeah. To, yeah no, and and sure. the people that are like, fuck you, Dave, I, I have to do it. You know, I tell this sort of story all the time. Is is It's like apocryphal story where you're going to raise money to open up a, uh, your first restaurant. And um, you've never opened up a business before. And you throw a, a party because you've raised enough money open up your first restaurant and it's a, like a check signing business or whatever a party and it's like you should almost burn all the money in front of everybody mm. yeah because that's what statistically you're <laughs> going to do you know oh, what i mean man, that's rough i mean you have to accept that it's a weird way to think about it but if you start to th mentally think about it like okay if i have to actually host a dinner <coughs> burn my capital in front of the investors and if that's what i have to do then where do i fucking sign up you know it's almost such an absurd process that almost to be unhinged because you have to express yourself in a business like there's no other way as an artist you yeah. know like you have to do it there's nothing else that's going to scratch that itch then those are the people you bet on. It's hard. This fucking business is hard. Nah, I know. I, I've been seeing my friends struggle in this business for a bit now. Um, I got to ask you, so when you're on your, like, health kick, mm. do you do, like, salads and stuff randomly for meals? Would, would you just go and grab a salad? I mean, I have had to clean up my act health-wise. The older I get, I'm turning 47 this year. You know, I had kids late in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to not just be around. I want to be able to do shit when yeah. they're older. So I'm taking what I do more seriously. It's not that I'm perfect at all, but um, I'm not eating healthy like that. I'd rather eat steamed fish or something like that. Right, right. I'll eat salad, but it's not like, oh, shit, I got to. Yeah. Uh, there's other things I would consume yeah when did salad become like the go-to healthy food thing because it's, it's not only in america yeah that's true <laughs> only in america you couldn't find a salad in korea though. no man people are like well cook that shit <laughs> <laughs> cook it yeah that's so weird the salads became the thing and i don't know why for me too i'm just like when i'm trying to be healthy the go-to thing is grab a salad it doesn't make me to me it's not eating healthy i think i eat healthy it's just cutting out the shit that's not healthy Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i feel you what what sure. have you cut out that's some of your favorites i'm just trying not to 
smoke pot at night. Get the munchies. Dude. Eat late at night. That's the main reason why I'm like cutting it out. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Has smoking pot like throughout your life affected your, uh, you know, food tastes and, and, you know, um, I don't know, just everything you do in food? Um, No, I mean, I never do it during the day. It's always been at night for me. Um, even if it's edible, it's just the munchies to me. Food tastes so good. It's special. Know? Yeah. So special. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's like you almost, I can almost taste what food's going to taste like. Being in that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think about that. Just like eating food high. I'm just like, it's that, one of the great joys in life. It, it is. It is special. I think eating healthy is something that I have to do. And I, I tell myself I've had a good run. I've mm. eaten Almost everything awesome. That's a good way of thinking about it because I, I haven't thought about it with food yet. I've thought about it with alcohol, right? I'm like, I've partied enough for a lifetime. Like, I cannot fuck with certain drugs I used to fuck with or alcohol. But I like how you said with food. Like, I've had a good run. I've eaten all the best foods you can eat. Yeah. I can do without fast food for the rest of my life. Is that how you Well, it's not saying? just fast food. It's a lot of things. Like, ah, uh, I mean, I don't have to eat foie gras again. I don't have to. Not that I would, but... You know, the only thing that gets me is fucking pizza, man. Yeah. Pizza, burritos. Right. I mean, I picked up some Sonora Town for my family yesterday. It's like, God damn it. I knew it was going to crush. I knew I couldn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stop the small burritos. I was like, oh, I'll have one. Yeah. Three burritos later, I'm like, fuck. It's so good. <laughs> I, burritos is one of my favorite foods, too. I absolutely love and, it. And, you know, I'm just that. I have an, an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Very, very easy to just go down certain rabbit holes. So for me to eat healthy, I just need to abstain and to, yeah. you know, and I have to. It's like, this is my, what I'm trying to do better at because, you know, I just got my checkup and the doctor's like, whatever you're doing, keep it up. So yeah, and like this past year, I was like, shit, I gotta, I gotta, same thing, you know, like I don't drink really at all anymore. People may make fun of me. I was like, they'll get it. <laughs> they'll get it when they get there, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we we talked about this last time we were sharing a meal, how you having kids was affecting your businesses and how you thought about it as well. I never thought I was a selfish prick when it came to like work because I always did everything for everybody else. But in reality, I think I was always just doing what I needed to do, which is also collectively as a business. But I could never think outside that business of what I was doing. And it's so, so it seems like such an easy platitude that everyone talks about. But, you know, when my first son was born, I was like, oh, everything, everything I thought was important is not important anymore. Mm. And I would probably say even kids and learning how to cook for, like, I never cooked at home growing up. I didn't really have this epiphany, oh, I'm gonna be a chef. So I always say it was like driving a Toyota Prius and then, oh no, it's like learning how to drive in an F1 race car and never learning how to drive a regular car. You know, that's how I learned how to cook, mm -hmm. straight to professional kitchens. So when I needed to feed my wife when she was, you know, with our first son and then when she was nursing and now feeding my kids and now that, especially with the pandemic, where I was just like their own personal chef, it changed my perception of what I thought was important. Mm. And 
cooking with love gets thrown around so much. I think myself, and I know a lot of chefs would probably agree to this uh, if they were open about it. A lot of us have lost that love and feeling on a professional level. Um, maybe you feel this way about music sometimes, mm-hmm. right? It's like, wait, why am I doing this? Because once you get accolades and acclaim or whatever, that that's ephemeral. That, but now when I'm feeding somebody because I'm, I'm now, if I make something with love, I'm now feeling exactly how my grandmother felt when she fed me or my mother felt when she fed me. It's an amazing connection. And when I cook at home, it's imperfect, mm. but my intent is perfect. Yeah. And even how I'm talking, if I was 15 years ago, what the fuck are you talking about, Dave? You know? Yeah. But it has changed how I think about food and what's important on the plate. And from a restaurant's perspective, Again, my perspective is different than, say, Momofuku because it's a big business now and I there's other people with decision-making rights, so I can have a stance that may be different than a restaurant, right? Like, I don't like lobster walnut shrimp. Yeah. But we have it on the restaurant menu at Vegas because people like it and the chef likes it, so good. Yeah. Again, we can be different and still be family, but I uh, I think about like a roasted duck breast, Mm-hmm. and how many restaurants I worked in or restaurants that we had, it was about carving in a perfect rectangle, cutting off the ends, nice medium. And it's now looking like a, like a Lego piece, almost yeah. Yeah. perfect rectangle. Yeah. And I'm like, I think about that. I'm like, that's not cooking. Yeah. That's cooking for ego. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, I just want to say that I don't think there's anything wrong with that because that's how you can create and ego is necessary to do something extraordinary sometimes and to create food as art type of stuff. And maybe push other people to be more competitive. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm not in that phase anymore. Yeah. And the phase that I'm in right now, the younger version of me would be like fucking old dude. I like what you're saying, though, because I feel like that is what gives an artist a second wind in their career to have longevity. You got to expand what the meaning is for you in your life and what your what your craft does for you. Yeah. Like at one point, I just liked rapping because it was fun to do with a bunch of friends at a house party drunk. I was getting free weed from friends and that's why I did it, you know, to, as a party trick to impress people. Later on, it became more important. I'm representing a group of people while I'm doing this. I'm able to get messages across, you know, and maybe I'll have a second win for, you know, a kid comes in life. I'll have more things to talk about. But it's not just being in the studio all day. You got to go out there and live the life to bring it back to the studio and write about something. You know? But you're, you're rapping and that part of your life has informed the current version of you. Yeah. Right. So it's not less important. Mm-hmm, true. You know, yeah. it's just as a continuation. And again, I'm a big proponent of change, right? I think it's a beautiful thing to have that agency. So, you know, going back to this fucking duck breast, I think a perfectly duck cooked duck breast on the cage of the duck itself, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's also difficult to do because now you have the bone to change the temperature and it it's a better way to cook it all together. I won't get technical aspects, but to me, I'm like, I don't want to fuck. That is like perfect already. Yeah. And it's taken me a years of being a numbskull, ego-driven person (laughs) to realize like, oh, 
this is inherently beautiful and perfect. I'm just going to serve it like this. Yeah. You know? And I think that's a, a natural career arc for a lot of people. And I don't give a shit if that's happening to me too. I'm just like, this is just how I feel about things. And I think for restaurants, that's how I, I want, I want to connect with people where it's much more home cooking, much more people might think that doesn't seem fancy. Yeah. I mean, you're so open to change in the food world and everything that's happened. Is there things that you don't like how things are going or changing? Or are you just like, it is what it is? And it's. I think that if I don't understand something, if I don't like something, I know in the long run it's because I didn't, un- I mean, it just passed me by. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't understand it. That That's good because I feel like there are a lot of OGs in every industry who are very bitter and hate new shit and changes that are happening. Hip hop is one of those spaces as well. That happens. I, I can be the biggest hater anyone's ever met. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I strive to be someone that understands that if I don't understand something, or if I hate something, it's probably because of some kind of deep insecurity or something that I'm like, why do I have this strong feeling towards something that I don't give a shit about. Or you have to go through 10 levels of trying to understand yeah. it until you're like, I actually like, yeah, hate I this. It, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's okay. It's not for me. Like right now food's changing in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, what I try to tell myself is nothing's new. Mm. Everything yeah. that is new has been repackaged from the old and you have actually had no new original thought. So yeah. don't think you're doing something new. So it's like, this is just the way it is. And a lot of things today in food that people might write about that are new, they were fucking old. Yeah. So like you don't have that agency. Yeah. So I think for me, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for you too. The older I get, I'm definitely becoming more of a curmudgeon (laughs) in a lot of ways. 100%. But I'm becoming much more open to surrendering to the idea that I, I can change anything. Mm. I'm just more like, it is what it is. I can still maybe dislike it, but it's also like I'm just getting fucking older. Yeah, same. No, I, 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 I'm I'm starting to imagine myself. I mean, people who've watched this pod will totally see that. But as we're wrapping up 2023, what are some of the big food trends or just hot topics around food that you've seen all throughout the year? I mean, <clears throat> San Francisco SF Gate. I think it today just posted something about. A lot of restaurants in LA closing. I think what we're going to see is, unfortunately, maybe more rough times ahead. Is that just the economy or what's? I don't know. I think there's a lot of, lot of things at play. Mm. Um, a lot of this was going to probably happen over 15, 20 year period. Pandemic shortened that into three years. Right. Changed everything. So I think it's natural for us to be like, this is not the same. Because of that, it's again, this is probably going to happen over a 15, 20 year period. But again, in 2024, moving forward, restaurants that are written about, talked about, coveted, are going to be destination dining that is experiential, very hard to get to, and also extremely cost prohibitive. The other kind of restaurants that are really in vogue are not necessarily chef driven restaurants. Um, but you feel good. Mm-hmm. You feel good in them. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like It's like a diner feel or something. Not even a diner feel. 
there are restaurants that have ambiance. Mm, it looks yeah. beautiful. People look fucking beautiful. Right. You know, I always use the expression and like, uh, it always, always feels like you're on cocaine in these restaurants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you feel good. Right. You're getting treated like you're, you know, you're a person of importance, which you're not, you know, it's, yeah. I think people after the past couple of years, they want to feel something extravagant. Right. I think that's a, I think long-term net negative for food. Um, because very few people can pull that off. But if that's the shit that people want, then, you know, a lot of the smaller independent weird restaurants, and I mean say weird in the best possible way, different, mm. it's harder to get noticed. Yeah. So that's why I think that it's a net negative. Uh, that's just my perspective. Um, and I think that you're going to see just to, there's a lot, I mean, yeah, New York, it's a lot of French dining and shit like that. Uh, LA, I don't know, LA dining's in a weird spot. Really? I think it's in flux, mm. right? Um, so I'm not sure what's gonna happen, but I do think where we're at in food is like everything else in culture. And this is what gives me, not peace, but less anxiety is when I can try to look at other pockets of culture where things are creative and businesses with music, fashion, literature, art, whatever. And a lot of those variables, patterns are the same. And I think in food right now, it's going to be harder to distinguish yourself than ever before. I mean, in music, how hard is it if you're fucking awesome at something? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to be that if you were really good, people might find out. It's you got to play this whole other game now. So many different factors. It's fractionalized and it's super niche. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but sometimes I wonder, man, it's sort of nice watching Seinfeld and everybody was watching Seinfeld. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, there was less options, but there's comfort in knowing that we're, we're, we're what you're interested in, you know that a good chunk of the population is also interested in yeah we're all talking about the same things and that was very similar in food and now it's just like music right everyone's got their little niche community this is what i want this is gonna do makes it tougher while it's great for diners it's very fucking hard if you're operating restaurants right because you're you're fighting over the small group of people that are intensely passionate about what you're doing but you're never increasing your audience size right Oh, damn. So crazy because I see it firsthand <laughs> with friends' businesses. Right? It's so insane. Yeah, no, 100%. Well, I mean, we're going to wrap it up, but before we go, just shout out three Los Angeles restaurants. I would say still one of my favorite restaurants in LA is Hamlet's Kitchen in Glendale. Oh, I haven't gone to that spot. <sighs> it's so fucking awesome. And you know Lee, who I work with, he's the one that discovered it. I mean, it's been around for 25 plus years. There's, it's a kind of, it's the kind of restaurant that I love because it can only exist in Los Angeles. Okay. Armenian. And you know, a lot of these kebab shops are Armenian because if they serve pork or mm. pork ribs, then, you know, it's going to be more of our Armenian family or business. It's in the back of a shopping mall where it's almost like they're trying not to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, yeah. And when you go there, you're like, is this set up 
like a pandemic setup. Yeah. What did just no no no? It's always been this way. <laughs> It's so crazy. Yeah. It's not cheap. Yeah. It's cash only. Oh wow. But again, this is this is the shit I love. I've spent a lot of time there. I've never gotten what I've ever wanted to order. Like I like going to restaurants where it's pain mm. because you have to earn the food. Yeah. I've never gotten what I've wanted. They've always always messed something up. But I've been there <laughs> early enough and the owner, he makes his own charcoal. Oh wow. With wood. He burns wood, makes his own charcoal. And that's what he does. And you can see, and I've watched him in the morning. I get there first thing in the morning just to see this, the craft he puts into it. And all the other stuff, the, the, you know, what might be off-putting to some people. Like, if you look past all that, you're going to see somebody that is like fucking zen master at his craft i love how he's not making it easy for anyone the customers or himself to make yeah, food. it's great it's awesome yeah. and it's so good i that's the shit i love man mm. like that kind of food where there's so many kebab shops and there's they make theirs distinctly different you know mini kebab all that stuff's great also amazing but that i would say in general since moving here kebabs i've ne i didn't realize how blessed yeah you know persian food in general that la has because it's just not what we have in new york city yeah i love kebabs uh, but you got to check out hamlet's kitchen okay got to get the rice you got to get the potatoes I'm you got to get the red i can't remember the red pepper paste puree thing um the lemonade everything there is fucking sick um i'd probably say another restaurant that uh I go to, I think Girong is really good in the mm. SGV. Um, we were going to Duck House a lot, but I think Girong, here's a hot take. People think that Girong has the best Peking duck in LA. I think it's true, but I think the other food they make is better than the Peking duck. Mm. When I went there, I was like, fuck, man, this place is so goddamn good. So, um, man, I'm trying to give you places outside of K-Town. Um, where else is good? I mean, this is not a original take, but I think Musso and Frank's is the coolest restaurant. In I LA. love Musso and Frank's. Yeah. Again, I I I love restaurants that can only exist in that city, in that place, and it can never open up again. And even if you don't give a shit about the history, you know, martinis, the shrimp cocktail. Listen, the food there is. Some of it is good. A lot of it is average. Mm -hmm. But again, I want to go to restaurants. A lot of times, I'm not going for the food anymore. I'm just, you know, I want to go to a lot of restaurants where one or two things are really good. Yeah. Sitting at the bar at Moose and Frank's where, in front vibe. of the grill. Yeah. It's, it's so cool, That's dude. a special vibe, yeah. You know, I feel like there's a lot of places like that in New York, but Moose and Frank's is... Yeah, you don't get a lot of spots like that in LA. Dude, it's so sick. Again, not original, but I think it's one of those restaurants that seems to be, it's like visiting the Statue of Liberty or something. Yeah, it's there, but yeah. you know. I'm going to give you my list of my favorite spots in K-Town right now. Chinsol Kukbap. You I, tell me about that. I still have a I, I think they have the best kimchi jjigae in, I don't know, it's, it's better than any kimchi jjigae I've even had in Korea. That particular spot is so, so good. Um, I mean, some of my friends would agree. Chinsol Kukbap. 
Definitely go there, get the kimchi again, the pork belly slices. They what put makes it, it so different? The pork belly slices are crazy. Um, I think their specialty is kukbap, just kukbap alone, which is not like a spicy broth, just um, just something that's been cooking 48 hours or whatever straight, and they serve it. It's just, I don't know, it's the best kimchi jjigae out there. All right. And it used to be songbuktong for me. That are they making be- kimchi with pork broth then? I think so, yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a chef or anything, so I don't know what's going on in there, but it's just good, you know? Jinso uh, Kukbap. What's the pork belly spot? Mungbur. How do you spell it? How do you say it? Mu what? Mu Bongri. It's one of my spots, but I can never like say it properly. Moon Bongri. Mu Bongri. Mu Bongri. I think it's just. It's like a, a Korean barbecue spot, but just for pork belly. But they have like the, this, what is it, black pig? What is it, like a mud pig? Hukteji? What's hukteji? Uh, uh, is it black pig? Yeah. yeah, so black pig, pork slices. And they use like, I don't know what this garlic leaf thing is. Is it garlic leaf? What's the leaf? Garlic Oh, it's leaf. a garlic shoot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. garlic shoots. And I never had, they don't usually give that to most Korean barbecue restaurants, I feel. Definitely not. Yeah, so it's that and this special like, uh, yeah, black pig pork belly it's crazy. is it like from jeju yeah like jeju style yeah i know they do that over there right like the black pig food in jeju is so good man i've never been oh dude you got the huenyo right there i know that's my friend who they're, they're so badass i know i gotta check that out dude you gotta go i gotta go yeah maybe i'll do it this trip yeah it, listen, it's too cold though isn't it for that that's when you see how badass they are oh they're still diving yeah that's crazy it's crazy what's and the third spot third spot i got check, uh, olivia it's vegetarian spot it really is good um my boy Dan and Anderson Pack started about a year ago. And the chef, Mario, he's done stuff with like Gracias Madres and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, he set up their menu and things. So um, those are my three spots. Yeah. But um, David, thanks so much for pulling up, man. I appreciate it. Hey, you. man. I'm so excited to be here. And again, um, Happy New Year. Thanks yeah. for having me. Happy New Year. And you did it proper. You pulled up. You took your shoes off. You gave me a gift. Got to, man. You pulled up with a gift <laughs> from your line of microwavable uh, dishware. People don't give you gifts when they show up here. You no, got to. Honestly, out of, out of... You got all these crimp people. They don't give you gifts. All my guests. If I've had a, out of 100 guests, you're one of five people who might have pulled up with a gift. Listen, folks. If you've been, <laughs> come on, man. I appreciate it, man. It's like, yeah, it's you would have brought up like a Korean pears or something, but you brought you yeah, something Yeah, you got to bring something. David Chang, thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Tune in next week for another episode of Fun With Dumb. Peace.